Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. We are good to go, Mile High. Hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, which you guys are about to get a treat of a show tonight. The one and only Eric Trickle. Dude, I don't know about you. It's been starting to get cold down here in the Wyoming area. Obviously, you live up in Alaska where it's always cold. I mean, even in the summertime, it's cold. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been frigid down these parts. I've been kind of wearing a lot of long underwear and uh, dealing with some snow over the last few days. But, man, what's going on? Not much. Currently freezing. I can't feel my fingertips with how cold it is in my office. <laughs> no, I got to figure something out. My wife got me a early birthday present for a heated blanket. It's just a matter of I got to get it into my office. Uh, I've got big wool and socks on. Like only thing I don't have is a jacket, but I got to figure something out for the office. Cause you know, especially over the next few months, it's going to be still cold. And I still got all the draft work that I've got to get done. I got to finish up all my scouting, get the reports done, all the videos for that. So much stuff to do and freezing, but um, I'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah. It, it's been rough, dude. I'll tell you what, at work, it's been just a hassle every single day. We got six inches of snow the other day. I was trying to drive uh, to one of the deliveries I do. And uh, yeah, let's say that I made a 30 minute drive in an hour and a half and then turned around and decided to come back home. It was it was literally that bad. But uh, no, it, I mean, over the last couple of days, we've had negative temperatures in the mornings and stuff like that. It's been frigid in the house. I'm still trying to figure out this electric heat that we have. Um, the baseboards are not necessarily the most efficient. They need to be updated for sure. So trying to save on electrical costs, but it's pretty much telling the kids and Samantha and everybody, uh, put on an extra hoodie because it's going to be cold in here. So kind of dealing with the same thing you've got going on right now. Hence the reason where my Broncos hockey hoodie, by the way, hashtag go, go abs go. But uh, Peter joining us right off the bat. Uh, DVDD, loving it. Thank you, Peter, for joining us all the way over in Cambodia, where it's what, eight o'clock in the morning, something like that. I think that's what you say every single week. But uh, anyways, guys, great show planned for you tonight. If you've been following anything that's going on at milehighhuddle.com, you will have noted that shortly after Christmas, Eric dropped his top 10 uh, players at every respective was, it was that was on, on Christmas. Was that, was Christmas. On, that was on Christmas. That's right. <laughs> I thought I thought I said the twenty eighth, but uh, anyways, uh, yeah. Eric dropped his top ten uh, uh, players at every single position in this upcoming NFL draft, and then earlier this afternoon, we got his top seventy five big board. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner 
for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Hopefully I have this in the right spot. I actually don't have it in the right spot. Give me just a second here. If you guys are uh, listening to this after the fact, um, please make sure if you get an opportunity, go to youtube.com slash mile high huddle. Um, check the video that we're recording right now. Anyways, so the top 10 is quite honestly very interesting to me because right sitting right there at the top, typically you see these draft boards, um, the mock drafts and stuff like that. You see Aiden Hutchinson, the edge defender from Michigan, Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge defender from Oregon. Those are your one-two guys for the most part at the top of the draft, Derek Stingley as well. But Eric, you have sitting at the very top of your draft class this year, your number one prospect as of January 7th is Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. What in the world is going through your brain right now to have Kyle Hamilton, a player at a devalued position as your number one overall prospect. Well, I mean, it's a Nick actually had a tweet about this and because somebody asked him the same kind of question about the question was about if, Caden Stearns plays well enough for to take Kyle Hamilton off the board for you. And the conversation there evolved a little bit. And one of the questions would, was, even with Kyle Hamilton playing such a devalued position. Well, the thing is, is with Kyle Hamilton, even though he's being a safety, he's not just a safety. He's just a complete defensive weapon, similar to Kyle Pitts last year being just an offensive weapon. And Micah Parsons last year, if you take the off-field stuff, like even though he plays that linebacker position, he's also an edge. He's just a weapon for you. And Kyle Hamilton, he can do whatever you ask of him in the in the secondary. He can play multiple roles. He can do all sorts of stuff. And that kind of value that you get is like just think he's a much better version of Justin Simmons from a couple of years ago. Not quite where he is now, but not far behind either. I just think Kyle Hamilton is so far along as a prospect that we just don't often see. I don't think he'll be the first player taken. But I definitely think he'll fall in the top five just because of how good of a prospect he is. I don't disagree with you. This kid's so versatile. He can slide down to the slot, play single high, works really well, especially in in a a double high safety look. Um, He can play some man cover, some zone coverage. Great tackler. This kid's super fluid. I I really do like Kyle Hamilton. It's just interesting because, you know, like like I said, going into it, like you just said, uh, the safety position is so devalued in, in today's NFL. And quite honestly, that needs to change, especially with the way that teams are starting to incorporate a lot more of what Vic Fangio's defense likes to do, the match quarter stuff. A cover two man where you need two quality safeties that have some range that can play in coverage, cover some tight ends, be able to slide down into the box and have some tackling versatility. Kyle Hamilton's actually a solid player. And I really do think that this is a spicy take to have him at the top of your draft board. I really do. I love this so far. Uh, and on that note, I mean, with Kareem Jackson is you don't quite have the versatility in him. Like right. if Denver could land Kyle Hamilton and they're keeping this game and, con- and just flip that. It'll be so much harder for, quarterbacks through this defense now there's a couple comments real quick that that i wanted to grab our palace says good evening lance and eric if we get the sixth pick in the upcoming draft who do you think we'll pick 
Denver cannot get the sixth pick. The highest that they can get is a seventh overall pick. Um, and I think that they would be, if they keep that pick and this doesn't go for a veteran quarterback, I mean, edge, offensive tackle, even corner would be an option. And then Tommy Semmer says it's Hutchinson. No, it's it's with an I. It's I-N. Hutchinson. Yep. Just so you know. Yeah. Uh, I think he was just saying it's Hutchinson as the as the the top uh, the, the top prospect in this draft class, and that's that's hard to argue against. Aiden Hutchinson, who was in the Heisman finalist conversation this year, um, he's been fantastic. And the more you watch that Michigan defense, the more you see that they have a, a bunch of high quality players. We're going to get to another one, a guy that I actually was watching a, a few weeks ago. I was like, you know what? What about this David Ojabo kid? I really like him. I at first I was like, you know, he could be a, a second round pick, maybe a third round pick, a developmental guy but then he started really coming on towards the end of the season. And that's a guy that I really do value for the Broncos, even at the seventh overall pick. If, the, if like if Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau are gone and they're probably going to be the, the first and second overall pick, quite honestly. But if you can get a guy like a, uh, a David Ojabo, which you have at number nine overall right here, I showed it on the screen for you guys, because as you say here, he's the most natural rush linebacker in this highly talented edge rusher class, um, elite athleticism, uh, it has some pass rush moves he can chain together. Great burst off the line of scrimmage. Has some bend that he can work with. Like, Ojabo's a guy that I really am intrigued by. What do you think, Eric? I mean, like, he's – if they're still sticking with this rush linebackers out of rushing out of a two-point stance, then, yeah, Ojabo's great. I don't think he's a guy who's going to be as effective with his hand in the dirt. So the scheme up front is going to matter a little bit here, even though more and more you're seeing more versatility up front with mm-hmm. what they're doing but you just don't want him in that three-point stance. You want him out of a two-point stance. You want him to be able to use his athleticism and his ability to chain pass rushing moves. There is some concerns about his play against the run that might see him drop a little bit Yep. because he's just not the strongest. He doesn't yep. get pushed back very far, but he sometimes struggles getting off blocks. Um. So, I mean, I would love David Ojabo. It would give them this athletic pass rusher that they can have that could pair very nicely with um, Bradley Chubb. And so, I mean, really, they haven't had this athletic pass usher since they traded Von Miller, and they've right. been trying to find somebody. And I mean, Malik Reed hasn't really been that. And Shane Ray didn't end up being this guy, so it's kind of hard to find him a little bit. But he's one of those guys that takes shot at. And then Scott says and came into the chat and said that he has never picking tenth. I actually agree. It's going to be really hard for Denver to get up to seventh overall. Um, just because of who they need to win games and who they're playing against. There's a lot of teams that are playing teams that they need to win that are playing teams that are pushing for the playoffs. I could see the one that could possibly help them is Chicago beating the Minnesota Vikings. That can get yep. them. I think they picked 10th or 11th overall. That's that's about where they're at right now, and that's what the projections are saying. And I think that's actually what Tankathon has. Uh, Tankathon.com does a really good job of updating the draft uh, the, the draft. Draft order, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, after every single game. And it's up easy. Just go tankathon.com slash NFL. Um, and you can see um, they do, like I said, they, they do a great job of uh, like identifying the trades and stuff like that. What, uh, what, what teams are picking and what, which position. And they have the Broncos, I think currently at number 11 overall. So I, I do think that that's essentially where they're going to end up. Now, another thing that I had noticed when looking at your uh, top 10 overall is this young guy from Clemson, Andrew Booth Jr., who you have ranked higher. This is, top, this is your top-ranked cornerback in the class when pretty much the entire uh, draft Twitter, draft uh, draft scouts everywhere across all platforms 
has Derek Stingley Jr., the cornerback from LSU. What about Booth speaks to you more than Stingley? Availability. Okay. Derek Stingley's missed a lot of action. And, I mean, if we're just going on with on-field product, then it's even closer than I have it. I still think I would go Booth a little bit more, um, just a little bit over Derek Stingley, just because I think that he's got a more well-rounded skill set and he's showing the growth that I want to see from players as the season goes on. Derek Stingley, he only played in like two or three games this this year before he ended up re-injuring his foot and causing him to miss the rest of the season. Um, so, I mean, and obviously medicals with what limited information we have, which always gets tricky, does have to be factored in a little bit. We don't know a lot about Stingley and his foot injury or what potential there can be for lingering issues going forward, especially at the corner position where there's so much on your feet with your footwork and everything. So Booth is just that little bit safer option because he's been healthy. Yeah, that, that's a really good answer. I like I like Andrew Booth. Um, he's such a fluid athlete too. His, his hips just swivel so so easily. Um, there's not a lot of effort in his movements. He's got some good athleticism, uh, great ball skills as well. He gets his hands on a lot of footballs. I think he has four or five interceptions this year as well. Um, again, guys, pardon me because I haven't really done a whole lot of the great uh, deep dive stuff. I haven't really got started on scouting. Won't do that until – after the regular season is over for the most part, um, probably closer to the senior bowl. But uh, yeah, Andrew Booth is definitely a very intriguing prospect. I got another question for you coming here in just a little bit, but uh, the, the very next one is your eighth overall prospect and Trevor Penning, the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. You say in the article that Spencer Brown last year, and everybody remembers him, um, high athletic kid, played the left tackle, played right tackle as well. Um, Really was a young football player as well. A lot of growth that you can work with him. Uh, I believe he ended up getting drafted by the Buffalo Bills and started for them for the most part of this season. Um, uh, with that, Denver, actually, that was when Denver was trading down before they selected Quinn Miners. Yep. They thought that Spencer Brown would fall to that pick. He didn't because the Bills ended up picking him up and they ended up with Quinn Miners. Yep. Um but uh, so this Penning kid, I've seen you pine on him on Twitter. You've got in our group chat multiple times about him. What, what about him, dude? What's going on? So with Spencer Brown, the big thing for him was that there was a lot of technical issues, and I didn't really know if he had the strength to hold up in the NFL. He's going to need time to adjust. The athleticism was pretty solid. But Trevor Penning, he's far more well-rounded. The technique is far more developed. He's got more strength to his game. He's, a, I think he's a better athlete than Spencer Brown is. I really like his size. I like his length. The question is, and I, as I say in the article, is that he didn't really face the toughest of the competition, which is why there's going to be many who look at this, see him at eighth overall and be and kind of like, and eh, kind of um, get a little bit nauseous from that. But I, I like what he has. I like what he can bring. And I think that there's going to be a jump in competition, but more and more we're seeing these guys from smaller schools not face the toughest competition, make the jump without issues or small issues that they get over pretty quickly, or you just see this constant growth going on, things that you want to see. And the senior bowl, as I say in the article, it's going to be huge for him. If he goes in there and he struggles, that will definitely drop him a little bit for me because he's going against tougher competition. He's not holding, holding himself out. And then if you, he goes in there and he plays extremely well, then that, I don't know if it'll push him up just because of the difference between him and the guys above him, but it'll definitely cement him, in my opinion, as a top 10 guy at the very least. Yeah. Great stuff, dude. I really appreciate that. So we're going to run through the top 10 really fast one more time. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, obviously. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. You have them two and three, kind of similar grades. Uh, according to your analysis, the difference is a matter of one hundredths of a point. 
for their respective grades. You have Aiden Hutchinson at two, Kayvon Thibodeau at three. Uh, Evan Neal, the massive offensive tackle for Alabama at four. Uh, Booth at five, as we already kind of went over. Devin Lloyd, the ex- incredibly athletic linebacker from Utah, struggled against Ohio State in, uh, in the Rose Bowl, but that's to be expected when you have Jackson Smith and Jigba lined up across from you for the majority of the game. And wow, that kid was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Stingley Jr., Derek Stingley Jr., the cornerback from LSU at number seven, Penning at eight, Ojabo at nine, Ika Mekwanu at 10. Now, folks, before we get into the rest of this, I want to grab some more um, comments really fast. Uh, Addison jumping in here with a, with a super chat. Your guys' is great for Matt Corral. I'm going to take this one over really fast. Um, I like Matt Corral. Currently, he's my top quarterback in the class from the little bit of scouting that I have done. Um, a big part of that is the athleticism and just the raw natural talent that he does have. He has every tool that you want, a great arm. Um, the, the things you have to watch out for, though, is the offense that he played in is not necessarily very translatable to the NFL level. There's not dual progression reads. It's a lot of one read and throw it, uh, design targeted throws and stuff like that. Um and also, this kid doesn't necessarily rely on his arm very much, like to make these tight window throws, just because they're not necessarily there. So you got to kind of project that a little bit. But uh, as far as Matt Corral, um, he's going to go in the top fifteen, even though I don't think that he is quite to that level. Um, I think he's a fringe first round talent, quite honestly. And this quarterback class after him really doesn't hold up. Like I'm not impressed with quarterback class. Eric, what do you think? Uh, he's my only quarterback with the first round grade and the only one in my top 50. I would not take him top 20. I think if you're at that point, you're making a big reach for a guy who's not asked to do a lot in a very simple offense that just isn't very translatable to the NFL, um, which is just amplifying the risk. Yes. I mean, he's got great arm talent. He's got good athleticism and there's been a couple rumors going around about some character stuff, some character red flags. I have no idea how true that is. Could be just rumors from people trying to just get clout or whatever. Um, but just for the on-field stuff, just the offense that he runs, it's enough to just be cautious about it. Doesn't ask him to make a lot of tough reads or tough reads. Doesn't ask him to make a lot of tight window throws. Though he, when he does, it has he has shown he's able to. So it's just a lot of questions for it. And unless I could interview him and see how he is on a whiteboard, I'll be questioning his football IQ a little bit. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Uh, David Wilder jumping in here is throwing some stars on Facebook. We appreciate you, man. Uh, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Scott in Broncos country. How likely do you think it will be that we trade up in this draft? Uh, mile high huddle for life. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Quite honestly, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, that's just not George Payton's MO. Um, he is always a guy to kind of, at least from what he had in uh, what he's, what we've experienced with him so far, trading down is more likely. He obviously did that last season in the draft, um, trading down to get another couple of picks towards the later end of the, the third round to get Baron Browning and Quinn Miners. Um, trading up, it would be for something ridiculously special. I do think, however, that if George Payton does make a trade, it's going to be for a veteran quarterback, specifically Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. I really do think that that is in the cards for the Broncos this year. Um, trading up in the draft to go and pick a, a, a top quarterback, why would you do that if you can just get one at number 11 overall or number 10 overall? And if you're going to do that, I would question the judgment there a little bit. That's just me. Um, still got a long ways to go in this draft process. But, uh, Eric, as far as George Payton trading up, what do you think, man? I don't think so. Not in the first round. Maybe he'll trade up, look to trade up back into the first, depending on how right. it falls. I mean, but 
the issue with this is that it's been well reported. It's well known how much the Broncos want to go after one of the veteran quarterbacks. If they do that, they won't have a first round pick. Will they still look to trade um, trade up because they'll probably lose some of the ammo they got from the Von Miller trade. So there's a, a lot there for it that just kind of can make it a little iffy. And Mr. Blue Broncos fan says, came in and said, did he say he likes more darts to throw at the dartboard? That way he can have more opportunities at the bullseye. And yeah, yes. that's, a, yep. that's a mantra of uh, George Payton. He likes to have those darts. That's that's actually, I think, a direct quote. Uh, Claude jumping in here, drop some stars. Thanks, Claude. We appreciate you. Uh, Joe Mannix, speaking of this quarterback conversation, jumped in and said, uh, would you seek a Baker Mayfield trade? Um there was an interesting debate about this on, I believe it was the KOA Sports Zoo. It was Ryan Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright jumping in with uh, Big Alfred Williams uh, to fill in that time slot uh, the other day. And Ryan Edwards actually kind of makes a pretty good point. If you can't get in on the uh, the Russell Wilson, the Aaron Rodgers, maybe even Deshaun Watson, if that's the, the big targets, um, you have one year left on a rookie deal for Baker Mayfield. Um, give up a, a you know maybe a, a day two late day two maybe a couple of day three picks or something like that to bring in a guy like baker mayfield as like a one-year bridge quarterback see if he can't turn it around with all the weapons that the broncos have is that something that you would be interested in eric like it's an intriguing conversation for sure i mean i I, baker mayfield has his issues but after what the browns went through for years i think they'd be dumb to move on from him right yeah um and I think that if you're looking at getting him, it's going to cost you quite a bit. I mean, just look at what the Colts ended up having to give up for Carson Wentz. A first-round pick and then a second-round pick that turned into a first-round pick. And that would be, for me, as if I'm the Browns, that would be the bare minimum of what I'm looking for, and I'd be asking for a lot more than that. Um, so, yeah, if I'm the Broncos, I'd be looking at it because it's an upgrade over what they currently have. How much of an upgrade? I don't think he gets you to that same level as Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. And if you're going to give up multiple first-round picks, I'd rather it be for one of them. Um, And really, I mean, at this point, almost anything's an upgrade over what Denver has this year. So it's just – I don't see them moving on from Baker Mayfield personally. But if it happens, I mean, Denver should be at least calling, seeing what it would take. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really do think that that would be something. And quite honestly, George Payton was rumored to be in every single deal that was going on last season for the quarterback position. Obviously, the Matthew Stafford deal didn't didn't come through. There's mixed reporting on what was offered, what was asked and stuff like that. Uh, it was kind of an interesting deal. I, for one, would have taken Matthew Stafford in a heartbeat. And so long as you could hold on to Drew Locke for a couple of years and see what maybe you can get out of that. But uh, unfortunately, that never came to pass. But uh Let's see, uh, Leaf Robot coming in here. Uh, hey guys, appreciate the show. What do you think about trading back in the first and getting a right tackle and another guard later, Eric? What do you think about that? I mean, I'm fine trading back into the first. It just depends on for what position. For a tackle, if one of the guys falls, then yeah, I'm for it. If Charles Cross happens to fall a little bit, which I think he could, I don't know if he'll fall far enough to really be one of those guys that you trade up for. Um, Trevor Penning could possibly be one of those guys, depending on what happens with him. Nicholas Pate-Frere may be an option there. I mean, there, there's plenty of tackle options that you can go get. A guard, I'm not you going in for a first-round pick on a guard, um, basically no matter what. But, I mean, it's always an option. Being able to get that fifth-year option for positions of value, like an edge rusher, a corner, an offensive tackle, quarterback, like that can't be undersold at all how, much, how valuable that is for an NFL team. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer is is a guy that I really like. This dude's a crazy athlete. It got some length to him as well. Uh, left tackle for Ohio State right now. Um, he got bullied around though in the Big Ten championship game. But to be fair, this is going against two guys that Eric has in the top ten at the uh, in in the entire draft. And Aiden Hutchinson, who very well could be the number one overall player taken this year, and then David Ojabo. Uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer really got banged up by those guys it was it was quite honestly a manslaughter I remember watching one specific rep where Hutchinson ran him it drove him like three steps backward planted him on his ass and then went and uh, I I don't think he got the sack but I know he got the big pressure and forced a, a quick errant throw um I believe that was in the third quarter of that game. But uh, that's a guy that you could really kind of take a look at for if he can figure out how to play the right tackle position. I think that that would be a great pick for the Broncos if they could manage to trade back. Um, Penning as well, as you had said. And there's another one, the, the Cross kid. And I know that you have some questions about Charles Cross and his ability to hold up in the running game. Uh, let me see if I can find him really fast. It's just right after this. Here we go. Number 23 overall. Eric, why don't you talk about Charles Cross just a little bit before we get to Travis? Yeah, if anybody remembers Andre Dillard, Charles Cross is basically a carbon copy of that. Um, he's only had, like, as it says in there, actually, he's had 346 run-blocking snaps in his two years as a starter. That's extremely low, and it doesn't mean the low exposure doesn't mean he can't do it, but the, the tape when he does do it isn't the best. There's a lot of issues with strength from him, and some only time he really gets consistent movement in the running game is when he's getting help from either the guard or the tight end. To generate push he's a good athlete his play and pass protection is outstanding which is what's going to get him drafted so high yep. just as it did with andre dillard but can he develop can he get stronger can he improve his run blocking those are the same concerns that people had with andre dillard that why the who's the eagles drafted andre dillard right yeah that's why the, i mean there's been a lot of rumors about the eagles trying to trade andre dillard is that he just doesn't fit because they want to be have a good run blocking unit as well as pass protection and doesn't fit that run blocking aspect that they want. Right. This is actually a perfect segue because Travis Weber jumping in here to drop some, some stars and showing his support as he does every single week, quite honestly, every single show uh, on the Huddle podcast network and especially Dove Valley deep divers. Uh, Good evening, Lance and Eric and Broncos country a little late to the show tonight. That's all right. We just appreciate you for joining us Uh, talking about the draft. I feel uh, edge rusher offensive line is priority. What do you guys feel is priority for the Broncos beyond quarterback? And quite honestly, you said it the best. And the very first and foremost thing to me is this uh, edge rushing position. Quite honestly, Um, you have uh, Bradley Chubb, who hasn't really played up to the value of the number five overall pick. I know that there's a lot of good numbers and metrics and stuff like that, but if you can't stay on the field, it's, it's hard to justify the value of that position. Obviously big injuries, the bone spur surgeries, uh, the torn ACL um, it's hard to kind of judge him on that, but you want more production out of a player like that. Uh, Malik Reed, who's a a restricted free agent this season. um, It's, it's possible the Broncos want to bring him back on a cheap deal, uh, maybe an original round tender because he's not just going to, he's not going to command big money value on the, uh, on the open market. Um, Jonathan Cooper, who I have really been impressed with this season is, is a great player there. Andre Mintz is the only other guy I believe that the Broncos have returning after this season. So they they definitely need to address the edge rusher position. And David Ojabo is a, a guy I really like for this team. Um, the other one to me is cornerback. 
because Kyle Fuller's a free agent this season. Brad, uh, Bryce Callahan's a, f- a free agent this season. Um, you, you've, you've got Pastor Tan, obviously. They just missed out on Asang Bassi. So that's a, that's a, he just got claimed by the Chargers a couple weeks ago. I believe that was right before the Broncos game. Um, so there's a hole there. Michael Ojemudia hasn't really stepped up to show that he can be that guy that you can rely on. Um, Ronald Darby's been kind of up and down. He's been solid, but not great. Um, it, so they definitely have a hole at the cornerback position. And then I, I understand uh, guard is a, is a big issue there. Dalton Reisner, I went back and kind of did some studying up on him. And Eric, you're absolutely right. He's been pretty terrible. Um, <clears throat> so guard's a big thing for me. Um, tackles, another big one. The offensive line for sure. Eric, what do you think? Well, first of all, thank you, David Wilder, for the support and for the stars. We yes, absolutely. Um, as for what you're talking about, I mean, I don't disagree. Edge, offensive tackle, corner, those are all big priorities for me. Um, inside linebacker, we've kind of seen why that's not shouldn't be a high priority. I mean, outside of positional value, as much as I love Devin Lloyd and Nicobe Dean, like I'm just not taking a linebacker round one. Maybe if Denver keeps all their picks somewhere around two, round three, maybe. But, I mean, edge rusher, Malik Reed, he'll probably get a second round tender simply because an original round tender it's cheap and a team can offer him to a deal and not give up anything. That second round tender at least could net you a second round. And he's done enough to earn that aspect of it to for a little bit of protection there. Bradley Chubb, he hasn't lived up to expectations yet, not just because of the injuries, because of his play on the field as well. Yep. Um, ever since he's come back from that injury, it's been there's been some great moments, but it's been hit or miss for the most part. And Andre Mintz, I mean don't want to bet on an undrafted free agent. I remember well, a couple of years ago, everybody wanted to bet on, um, oh, well, I can't remember his name now, but he had a great preseason. Um, Jeff Holland. Everybody yeah, wanted to yeah. bet on Jeff Holland as a depth piece and being something in it and look at what happened to him. I think you don't think he's on an NFL team anymore. No, he's um, not. The corner, and as for a corner, I mean, you've got Pat Sertan. You've got Ronald Darby, but you're about to lose Kyle Fuller, who's been playing well over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Bryce Callahan. You have Michael Ojemudia, who we'll get to see this week because so many corners are out. We'll get a chance to see what Michael Ojemudia can do. And he's at a position where you can't bet on him for next year. Nate Harrison, he's one of those players that you just – he doesn't have that much value in there that you can't bet on him and try to hope that he becomes something. I mean, you hope he does, but you can't bet on it. And then offensive tackle, I mean, Bobby Massey hasn't been good this year. I know that there's a lot of people talking about how great he's been. But statistically and, and analytically, any kind of analytics for offensive tackles, he's actually been worse than DeMar Dotson and Elijah Wilkinson combined last year. Um, so you got to figure out something there. Garrett Bowles has had a down year. And then the offensive line in general has been down. Quinn Miner should be filling one of the spots. Graham Glasgow's likely on his way out. Dalton Reisner will probably stick around, but you got to figure out what to do with him because he's only a very certain scheme that he fits, and he's shown multiple times that he can't do anything outside that scheme. And it just happens to be a scheme that most of the other offensive linemen can't really aren't that effective in, I should say. Yep. So those are the big issues here outside of quarterback. Obviously, quarterback is the king and the end-all be-all in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the quarterback position, we have Addison uh, Richley coming back in here with a generous super chat as well. Uh, also, if we don't draft a quarterback, what's your thoughts on stack, stacking up as much picks for the 23 quarterback class of 2023 and going balls to the walls for the top quarterback of the class, which is likely to be one of Bryce Young or CJ Stroud? Um, I like it. I do, uh, honestly. But uh, what's the path to that? And that's the big thing for me. Are you trading down out of the number 11 overall pick and it hopes to get a future first as well? 
Um, what assets are you moving? What are you trying to do as far as the uh, the coaching staff is concerned? Are you bringing back a Vic Fangio? Are you moving on from the entire staff as a whole, which is something I wanted to talk about tonight, but we're doing draft stuff. Um, but uh, how do you go about doing that? Then that's the big thing. Are we talking about having another like fire sale to get as many picks as you can? Or are you just specifically looking back at moving out of number 11, maybe getting rid of a Noah Fant or an Albert Okawebenom, something like that, that you can kind of recoup some value for some of the talent that you have on the offense already. And then what's the plan beyond that? What kind of offensive coach do you have, an offensive coordinator? There's It's such a multifaceted question that it's hard to give an answer for. However, I do really like C.J. Stroud a lot. And I know that Ohio State quarterbacks like Justin Fields, obviously, has kind of burned me a little bit this year. We'll see how he kind of progresses. But uh, Braxton Miller before him, um, uh, Dwayne Haskins, uh, the 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 uh, uh, Cardell Jones, like there's multiple guys that have kind of flamed out in the NFL from Ohio State. So that's kind of a hard question to ask for me. Uh, I do like Bryce Young as well. Um, a guy that I think is a sneaky pick that went back to school this year, Grayson McCall. I think he can find his way into the first round conversation next season as well. Um, so going to 2023, what's the process to uh, to getting there? And what does it look like for the future of this team more so than just the quarterback position? Eric, what do you think? I mean, if you're not taking quarterback this year, then yeah, you should stack up for picks next year. And that was one of the big reasons why, I mean, last year, I was one of them thinking that saying that how the 2022 class doesn't look that good, though things could change obviously a year out, just as things could change for the 2023 class a year out. Mm-hmm. And that's one big reason why I was a supporter of trading down. If you weren't taking Justin Fields or Mac Jones at number nine overall, then you then you trade down. I mean, there was a deal that would have gotten them a top 10 pick this year from the Chicago Bears who were looking to move up to get Justin Fields, and they passed mm-hmm. on that for Pastor Dan. Yep. And you still could have gotten a corner later, but hey, that's beside the point. And had they taken that trade, that would have given them two first-round picks this year to play with. If a quarterback developed, then that gives them extra ammo to move up and get one. And now in this case, it gives them extra ammo to move down and get more picks for next year. But hey, it is what it is. We can't change the past here, but we can change you know the future and everything like that. So they, if they're not taking quarterback, if they have their first overall pick, then yeah, they should be looking at trading down. They should be looking at adding picks for next year to go after one of the quarterbacks. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, those are two really good quarterbacks that are right now projected to go top five. And obviously things can change, but if you're not getting one of those veterans, you got to do that. You got to be looking ahead a little bit, especially at the quarterback class. And this, this was a debate on Twitter earlier today that Nick Kendall was part of is that, oh, teams don't have a eye on future draft classes, which to a degree is true. But when it comes to the quarterback position, you're always looking a little bit down the road. Yep. The Buffalo Bills did a few years ago when they traded down. It was, I believe it was part of the, was in that trade where the Kansas City Chiefs moved up for Patrick Mahomes. Yep. They traded down because they were looking at the 2020 or the following year class that with Josh Allen, Sam Donald, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, yeah 2018. They were, the, they were looking at those guys. So there's always, to a degree, you're looking up a little bit ahead. So you got to. And then Peter Middleton asks, "Would you? I'm assuming draft a quarterback in the first round if that's the highest on your board. Yeah, easily. Like, this is a great corner class. I would definitely dip into it. I mean, corner is one of those positions where there's no quarterback there to sit there and argue with me, and corner still brings quite a bit of value. And if you can find a long-term pairing for Patrick Sertan, yeah, I'm all, all aboard for that. Well, and listening to what George Payton had to say, uh, even going back to his history at the Minnesota Vikings, uh, franchise cornerbacks, not quarterbacks, cornerbacks are hard to find. 
So they got one this last time. Franchise quarterbacks. Yeah, we'll just kind of ignore that part of that quote. But uh, anyways, yes, I I would be fully on board. If you if you could get Booth, if you could get Stingley. Um, I actually ran a mock draft simulator the other day on Pro Football Network, and Derek Stingley Jr. fell to me at number 11 overall, and I took him over Devin Lloyd and uh, and Matt Corral and uh, who else was available that I, that I really kind of liked there. Um, uh, I, I can't remember. Anyways, I, I was, but I did take Stingley Jr. over everybody. I was like, yeah, give me that other cornerback to pair. Give me two elite cornerbacks on rookie deals that you can pair uh, for the next five years and well, four years, but still five years um, and build that secondary up because this draft class lines up perfectly to do that, especially if you want to bring in uh, an offensive minded head coach that and then build a defense back behind it. Or maybe you want to say maybe say you want to go more like a cover three defense which would be very intriguing considering Dan Quinn is available and you could potentially bring in Russell Wilson behind that as well. And Dan Quinn has been no- notoriously famous for his cover three defenses. So why not? This year? Yeah, he's running a lot more man this, this year, but still a cover one man, um, single high safety, ride the rails on the outside with the cornerbacks. But uh, I mean, Stingley Jr. lines very well in that kind of a defense. He's a great man cornerback. So is Pastor Tan which is why you're seeing the Broncos switch from mash quarters to cover two man underneath, because that's what they're doing because Pastor Tan excels in man coverage. So regardless, anyways, yes, drafting a quarterback would be great. Uh, Garrett, thank you for dropping some stars. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, now I want to get to see a, a fresh name in here too. Garrett. That's, awesome that's very true. Up. That is very true. That's a name that I haven't seen before. Garrett Tanazi. Thank you for joining us, buddy. Um, Let's see. I want to grab another comment if we can. If not, I do have a great question for you because there's a player that you have listed high up on your board. He's an edge defender. Garrett asked, what do you guys think of Gardner Minshew for next year? I'm not for it. I mean, this is going to give me a lot of fact, but I'm just not for quarterbacks that have a cult following, bringing them into Denver where we just happen to always get cult followings for quarterbacks that just aren't good enough to be franchise quarterbacks. If if it's plan A, B, or C, color me out. If it's plan X, Y, or Z, then sure. I mean, if, if you run out of all the options, you want to throw a fifth-round pick for a Gardner Minshew, a guy that's started a lot of games, had better success than Drew Locke, and you want to have him fight it out in a quarterback competition. Maybe you bring in a, a young rookie quarterback that needs to sit like a Desmond Ritter or Malik Willis. or Not that that would really actually mat, match up. Desmond Ritter would probably be the better of the two there. Um, but if, if that's the path that you have, you, you – Bringing a similar to this year, you know, the Teddy Bridgewater drew lock kind of deal. Um, but you also have another young quarterback that you drafted behind that. I would be okay with it, but Gardner Minshew is not a guy that I'm looking forward to. Is like uh, even option 10 would, would be, it would, he would be below option 10 this year for me, for sure. Um, can Gardner play the edge? No. Gardner. Okay. Okay. Mr. Blue Bronco fan. I don't know where you got this idea that I want to overpay Melvin Gordon, but that is so far from the truth. <laughs> uh, that was, that was me. Like, and if that's, that that, was, that's that controlling, you got me good on that one, but that is so far from the truth. Lance is the one that wants to overpay. <laughs> Lance, is, Lance was sitting there talking about $5 million a year for multiple years here. And I'm no, sitting here like no. not even three. Mm-mm. No, no. I said if it was 5.2 for one season, I could see that because the cap jumps and with the cap space the Broncos have, save Javante Williams for another year and then unleash him as well. Keep the, the, the combination of what you have right now. I could definitely be on board with doing that. I'm flipping Eric a bunch of crap on this one because him and I got into it in our, in our, uh, our private chat 
with uh, with Nick and Carl and, and James Campbell. And we were actually going back and forth about like, well, why would you want this? And Eric's like, no, you don't ever pay a running back on a third deal. I'm like, ah, I could see why you would be able to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. $3 million, three and a half, maybe would be the most I would want to pay for him. But I could swallow a $5 million deal based on the circumstances this Broncos team is actually at. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Booker jumping in here. What are your thoughts on DeMarvin Leal? He can play inside and outside on the line like a J.J. Watt. I don't disagree with you. Eric has a screaming, fiery hot take here. Take it away, kid. Is it really that hot? It is, though. I don't, I don't it think is. it's that hot. The Marvin I think Lingo, it is. I mean, he's, he's a good pass rusher that can attack inside and outside, but just target him in the running game. But I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. You came in the group chat the other day. What did you say in the group chat the other day? So there's this weird thing that I've kind of noticed over the year that if a draft prospect Twitter searches their name, they tend to fail in the NFL. Multiple examples, a lot of them, I mean, Adolphus Washington was one of them. Yep. Um, there was a pair of Alabama linebackers that have gone on to not be that great. Reggie Ragland was one. And Marvin Leo went and Twitter searched his name. So it's kind of become a ongoing joke about if, he, if a prospect Twitter searches the name, it means they're, they're going to fail. Uh, so kind of a joke there, but DeMarvin Leal, like there's just plenty of issues with his tape that it's, you got to figure out a way to limit him. I think that the best way is keeping him as a four, three base defense end mm-hmm. and then let him go uh, move inside on, on pass rushing downs and sub packages and stuff like that. Just cause you got to realize, um, just cause you got to realize uh, his issues against the run and do something to rectify that. Uh, Mr. Bronco, Broncos fan, no, I did not realize that was Big E, and that explains a lot. <laughs> uh, no, I, De- DeMarvin Leal, just quickly, um, it, it, like quite honestly, he's limited to a seven-tech defensive end to me, maybe a five-tech if you wanted to slide him inside a little bit, but he's not a guy that's bendy. He doesn't hold up well as an edge defender. He's kind of one-trick pony pass rusher, slice on the inside, Um the length isn't great. The strength isn't great. I'm not a fan, honestly. It's it, it, He's so specific. He'd do really well in Buffalo, for sure. I mean, if if you wanted a guy to to play behind AJ Epinesa, because they're honestly the same kind of player, honestly. Like, if you, it, 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 at least in my opinion, AJ Epinesa, DeMarvin Leal, same type of player. Uh, I, I don't want him in Denver. It's just not my bag there. I want more Bendy. Four three a four three under with an with a stand up outside linebacker. If you can get him as like a, a Derek Wolf type with a Von Miller off the edge, then sure I could see that. But if you want to rely on him as a, a premier pass rusher off the edge for you, that's not that's not what you're looking well, for. Well, I'm not asking it, him to be a premier edge rusher. Right. The issue the issue with Leal though is that if you bring him in, then your linebackers better be ready to bring it downhill against the run because yeah. Draymond Jones still has a lot of growing to do there, and DeMarvin Leal definitely does. So yeah, got to be ready for that running game. Here's a new name on YouTube as well, uh, Mayola dropping a super chat, and we appreciate that. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if if George Payton bring, brings back Vic Fangio, his GM status rides with him. Is that fair to say? No. Um, I, I don't think so. Um a part of the problem here, and I don't necessarily want to make it the hot take radio deal, but the, the ownership situation is definitely something con- to consider here. Um, the team's in flux. They're on the last year of George or of Vic Fangio's deal. They have the team option after this year to, to kind of get rid of him. Uh, something that I've heard multiple times is why would you pay a guy to sit at home 
to do a job that everyone else is doing for him. You're, you know, moving some responsibilities down. I also think that there is some value in, in retaining Vic Fangio, especially if you get a guy like an Aaron Rodgers to come in as at the quarterback position, if you can find a way to bring in a, an offensive coordinator that kind of meshes with Aaron Rodgers and let Vic Fangio continue to run this defense, which has been uh, the number one scoring defense in the NFL this season, despite the offensive struggles and not being able to score points and putting this team in bad situations. So you can keep Vic Fangio around for next season with eyes on a little bit more of the future. If Vic fails out again, you get him a quarterback that can actually competently run an offense you can win games with Vic Fangio. I really do think that that's a possibility. Is that something that I like pining for? Is that something I'm slapping the table for? No, absolutely not. I think that the Broncos need to move on from Vic Fangio because it makes it a little bit easier to bring in a guy like Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers in that order specifically for me. Uh, but uh, there is value in bringing Vic Fangio back at least for one more year. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that his status rise with him. I can get why people could think that. Yeah. But, I mean, George Payton, he was given a six-year deal with a coaching staff that he didn't get a pick with bad quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Like, So there's just a lot of things that Payton, his job doesn't ride with him. Now, if he hires in a new coach, if he brings in his own his guy, then I think it's fair to say that. Yeah. And Kevin Peterson, instead of asking other people to take over for me, why don't you come do it? <laughs> uh, taking shots. Here we go. Uh, and Scott, you're you're absolutely right. Scott just hit us in the private chat. You're not getting anyone to come to Denver if a lame duck Fangio <laughs> comes back for a year. Um, I I I I see that for sure. Um, the the one and only option that actually makes that happen is if uh, Aaron Rodgers comes and he gets to pick his offensive coordinator, like a backdoor kind of channel deal. Let Aaron Rodgers run the offense. Um, it's it's pie in the sky kind of uh, of a deal, and like I said, I'm not pining for that. That's not my my end game here by any stretch of the imagination. I want going I'm, to be a hard sell to get any quarterback with Vic Fangio here, even offering to give them say of the offensive coordinator. It's going to be a hard sell for that to happen. Yeah, it it is it is for sure. I can I can I, I like I said I can just see the scenario where it could happen. Uh, Travis Weber jumping in here with Gordon likely gone. Does Denver look at drafting another running back or let Boone take over the duties behind Williams? Um, well, Mike Boone is still on a, a, con- a contract next year. Uh, signed a cheap deal. It's like one point one million dollars. Um, we didn't get to see him a lot this year. He was out of COVID. Had a bunch of injuries. Had the quad injury earlier this season. Um, and in the limited action he had against Kansas City, he looked really good. So I could see a scenario where that would be. Um, as far as taking a running back, don't be surprised if uh, if they do let Melvin Gordon go. Um, if they do take a running back relatively early, look at what the George Payton and the Minnesota Vikings did under Rick Spielman in Minnesota a couple of years ago where they drafted Dalvin Cook in the second round. And then two years later, they drafted Alexander Madison in the third round. So they did have two at least day two prospects taken in the running back position. It wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't like it necessarily. I would wait until day three, take advantage of what seems to be a, a deeper running back class again this year. But uh, no, I, I I don't think that taking a running back in this year's draft class would be out of the options. Um, Michael Ronco actually came in. So Cincinnati Bearcats running back is one to watch out for the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah, I'd be fine with bringing in Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. Uh, another guy is, um, James Clark, the kid from Georgia. Love <laughs> that kid so much. Cook. Uh, Cook, Cook, sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, he's the younger brother of Dalvin Cook. Somebody asked us about him earlier. For me right now, he currently has a third-round grade. I love his ability. Good receiver out of the backfield, solid runner. 
I really like what you can bring. And then there's Sincere McCormick out of UTSA. Um, dude's good. I mean, there's quite a few UTSA prospects this year. Tariq Wollen, I've spoken about on here before. They also have a tackle, and I believe there's a defensive lineman from there as well. Um, but yes, um, Sincere McCormick is actually a pretty interesting running back to watch that I wouldn't mind pairing. But I'd be looking at a running back somewhere day three. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Peyton Chapman jumping in here. That's a is that a new name? I think that's another new name. I don't recognize this one. So Peyton, probably new to us. Yes. Uh, Hi, go Broncos. Thank you for joining us, Peyton. We appreciate that. Uh, I want to get back to this your uh, top seventy five list because there's specifically a player, and I'm going to highlight his name really fast. This guy right here, Travis Jones, this nose tackle from Connecticut. We were asked earlier a little bit ago about positions that the Broncos should target that would be a a need outside of the cornerback, the quarterback position. Uh, interior defensive line is kind of a sneaky need here. I understand Shelby Harris obviously signed the big deal. You've got Draymond Jones on a, on a bigger deal, but uh, there's still some issues here. Deshaun Williams needs, it needs a new contract. Um, there's been some bad rotation stuff. We're not sure what we're getting out of McTelvin Ajim. Um, Travis Jones, Eric, I know you love this player out of UConn. Speak to him, buddy. I mean, he's a big-time nose tackle that shows plenty of ability to get after the passer. He's a really strong run defender as well. Um, I mean, I love athletic big guys, especially in the middle. Um, has some of that Terrence Knighton style to his game. The question is, is, of course, value for how often he'll take the field. A new defensive scheme, I think, would be uh, would really be impactful for his stock when it comes to the Broncos because he's got the versatility to play 0-3 to three technique, but moving outside of that, you don't really want to. And the Broncos, they use so many four-eye techniques, five techniques, and sub-packages that he might not be the best value for where he goes. But I'm a big fan of Travis Jones. I can't remember who it was. I saw somebody on Twitter talking about him and shared a bunch of clips of him, and it was really intriguing. I ended up doing the work myself for it. And, yeah, I walked away a big fan of Travis Jones. This kid's a freak athlete too, man. Like quite honestly, he's big, strong. He holds up well in double teams. He's uh, sheds blocks really well. I, uh, the limited action I've seen of Travis Jones, uh, and it's specifically because you were talking about him a couple of weeks ago in our group chat, we were talking about Jordan Davis and where you would be willing to, to draft him. And Eric said, you know, I'd be more willing to take an edge defender or a cornerback in round one over Jordan Davis, because there was a lot of teams, or a lot of guys, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah had a, had a mock draft. Um, Dane Brugler had a mock draft as well with the Broncos taking Jordan Davis in somewhere in the twenties. Cause the Broncos were still in uh, the, the playoff conversation then. And Eric was saying, you know, I'd rather take a, a Carloft, a George Carloftis or a David Ojabo, or um, maybe you can get Booth to fall to you uh, down towards the, you know, the 17, 18, 19 range, and then take Travis Jones in the second round, because He's got more pass rush versatility, better length, uh, seemingly better strength than Jordan Davis, which is wild considering how strong that guy is. But uh, as far as the the level of competition, that might be something there. But Travis Jones is a player that, I, Eric, like I said, I know you're incredibly high on. So I really wanted to allow you to be able to speak to him specifically. Um, see if I can find hey, a question here. Real quick, Mr. Blue Broncos fan, I'm a big guy. Like. I'm, I'm well over 300 pounds, man. So, yeah, when I see guys that are like my size be super athletic freaks, I take a little pride in it. Like, that's what I could be, you know, if I was actually somewhat athletic. Eric, didn't you tell me at one point you ran like a 4640 when you were in high school or something like yeah, that? Yeah, when I, I ran, it was a 4.5 when I was in, I was 19, I think it was. 
back when I was only under when I was actually under 200 pounds, <laughs> almost 150 pounds ago. I ran four five two as a senior in high school. Um, and then there's another question here. CC asking about Smith. Maybe Smith actually returned to school, which I'm actually kind of bummed about. I liked him a little bit. So something else that I noticed here, you have obviously two um, Ohio State wide receivers in your top 32, uh, Chris Olave and uh, what's the other guy's name? I forget it off the top of my head. Uh, Garrett Wilson, excuse me. Um, so you have two Ohio State wide receivers uh, in your top 32. What do you think about that Jackson Smith and Jigba kid? Uh, he had a great game against the uh, the Utah Utes, and obviously he's not. Uh, is he eligible this year? Is he? A I next say, I think he's, isn't he a true sophomore? I'm not I, entirely I, sure. I think he is a true sophomore. That that might be right. But what do you think about him? Just quickly. I don't know. He's not. If he's not eligible for the draft, I haven't watched him yet. <laughs> That's fair. Like I, I I say that all the time. It's like I seriously I don't watch prospects from future years. Yeah, he's a true sophomore um, until they're draft eligible, and even then, it's often I wait until they declare. Um, yeah. I just try to watch. I mean, every year, last year, I watched a little bit of at least, what, I think it was like 500, 600 prospects. And, I mean, I just can't do that. So there's some that will catch my eye, but I don't actively watch them. Um, watching some of Ohio State this year, that kid is a freak. It, <laughs> it's it's wild. He, he's a great route runner, good athleticism, good catch point. He's got a great catch radius. Um, smaller, quicker kind of an athlete player. Um, like I said, the work that he did, he, he set the the college football record for most receiving yards in a game against the Utah defense, and that Utah defense was really good. It, <laughs> they, did a, they did a good job of getting him isolated with Devin yeah. Lloyd a few times. Yep. And Nick and I, we actually had that conversation about how yep. uh, Devin Lloyd got owned against receivers and how much that impacted him because Devin Lloyd was still my sixth. Well, Devin Lloyd, before that game, was actually fifth. I went and watched it and dropped him down a spot. And I didn't want to drop him too low because, quite frankly, if you're getting linebackers as consistently matched up against the wide receiver, then there's something wrong with your scheming for it. And so I, I didn't want to hit him too much because, quite frankly, in the NFL, you shouldn't be having him get matched up with receivers as frequently right. as he wants. Yeah, it, but Ohio State does a really good job of that. They line up three wide all the time. I mean, they had Marvin Harrison Jr. out there as well. Uh, they run a lot of three wide, gets your gets you spread out a lot. Um, try to find that mismatch, and it just so happened that uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba just happened to be the guy. Uh, Andrew Baker jumping in and showing some love. Love for the DVDD boys. We appreciate you, Andrew, for joining us as always. And again, it was great to meet you at the Dub or the Mile High Huddle meetup at the New York Jets game earlier this year. I've got a player pulled up on the screen right here. He's a cornerback that I've recently fallen in love with. Um, he's actually more of a hybrid cornerback. He can play some nickel. He can play some slot. He can play some uh, boundary as well. I think he has some safety versatility as well. Trent McDuffie out of Washington. Eric, you have him at number 33 overall, so technically just outside of the first round. But uh, what about Trent McDuffie catches your attention? Well, I just like his versatility. I think that he's got the ability to play inside or outside, and I do think there is some ability to drop back and play safety as well, depending on the scheme that you're running. Yep. My big thing for him is that the scheme versatility isn't exactly there. You can right. play in multiple schemes, but that's more limiting to what he does on the defense. I think if you're playing more of a man coverage scheme, then he's going to be a little bit more limited to the nickel. Whereas if you're playing more zone, I think he can handle a little bit more outside. And that's simply because of his issues sometimes with physicality in man coverage when Washington's run it a little bit this year that he just isn't quite as able to hang up on the outside and in the inside he's it's 
not quite as much of a physical game, game as it is on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. The, the fluidity isn't quite there with him. Um, I know you and I were talking live before we uh, well before we went live about uh, him and not being quite as good as an Elijah Molden, a guy that I know you were pounding the table for the Broncos draft last year at the 40th overall pick and a guy that I really liked as well. And man, he's been great for the Titans this year. But uh, uh, Trey McDuffie could actually be a player that the Broncos could really use in this secondary. Um, if you need a cornerback, safety, versatile kind of a player, a guy that can always, you know, uh, fit in. And he's he's a great tackler, very physical. At least uh, at the point of attack, he does a good job as far as that goes. Um, it's just in coverage, you don't see that as well, and I'm I'm not sure why. Uh, another player here. This we're gonna do Eric's. Eric's big value guys, the guys that he's really kind of pounded the table for, uh, specifically in the group chat and a lot of times on Twitter. Uh, Daniel Fa'alele, the right tackle from the University of Minnesota, six foot eight, 375, maybe 300, maybe 400 pounds. We're not exactly sure exactly how big he is, but uh, big mover, big strength. Eric, this is your boy. You've been talking to me about him for two years now. I mean, I don't know what else I can say. I, I, before he decided to return last year, I talked about him a lot on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Yep. I like him. I mean, there's still a lot to work with. He's still growing and he's still learning football. I like the fact that he dropped a little bit more weight this year instead of being at that, what, six foot eight, 400 pounds. He was six foot eight, 380, 370. I like that aspect. And it, it definitely reflected in his game. He didn't lose any of his power and he was a little bit more of a smooth mover yep. than he, he was before, even though movement's not his strongest aspect. Um, he's a former, I believe, former rugby player that's still from yep. Australia that's still, or New Zealand, that's still growing and learning. I think he's only been playing football for, I think, four years now, maybe five. Um, so there's still a lot growing there. But, I mean, he just consistently shows why he has a place in the NFL. It might take a couple of years before he really reaches that that ceiling that he has. But, he's, again, he's just definitely an option. And, man, you can use him to line up and score touchdowns as a rusher like Minnesota did. Yeah, it, they did that that one uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was absolutely phenomenal. I think it was in the bowl game. It was just so great. Um, something that just it, it always stuck out with me was when he got his hands on you, it, you were not getting by him. He may not have had the best technique in the world, but – he was just a bully in the running game, in the passing game. He gets his hands on you, and you're legitimately done. Uh, all right, so another one here. I want your your uh, opinion here on a quarterback. Sam Howell, out of North Carolina, you have a number 55 overall on your big board. Um, a guy that everyone seemingly likes, but nobody truly loves. Um, solid floor. Not a great high ceiling. Um, showed a lot more athleticism this year from North Carolina than he did in in seasons prior. The arm talent's there for sure. He's not. A, it's not an A plus arm, but he's got an A level arm. Um, what what has him so low on your board for you? I mean, you basically said it. There's a lot of people who like him, just not many who love him. And I, I mean, I could think of a couple of people who love them, but that's just getting into a, a weird <laughs> area of conversation. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, he's, um, he's a guy that he played well a year ago, extremely well, got him a lot of first round talk when he had these weapons, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, and those two receivers that he had. And then he lost them and his play kind of dropped his play kind of fell off a little bit. So he's one of those guys that I think that it's been made quite clear that he has to have the talent around him. 
you can get by with a weaker offensive line because he does a decent job move, escaping around, move, maneuvering in the pocket, and then looking for the big play. He's takes calculated risks. His arm strength is okay for the NFL. It's not great by any means. He's a decent athlete that where he's a okay threat with his legs, not a guy that's going to take off consistently and go get you big runs. And he's one of those guys that's looking at this quarterback class. He seems to be one of the more safe options, probably the safest option really, because you have Matt Corral, who's there's the questions as gifted as he is. You have these questions about the IQ and his ability to translate. You've got Desmond Ritter with the footwork issues that lead to issues with his Mm -hmm. placement that have been consistently. And he also has these schematic questions that you have with Matt Corral. Carson Strong, you have concerns about his knee and his mobility. Malik Willis, he didn't make the development that you really want to see. You have all these big questions with him. And whereas with um, Sam Howell, is he kind of is what he is. Pretty high floor. He's still got a pretty high ceiling, not as high as some other guys, but he's one of those safer options for him. Um, that wouldn't be a bad option. And then Kenny Pickett, guy that I'm surprised nobody actually realized, he's not even in my top 75 um, players. And the biggest issue that I have with him, it comes down to it is the hand size, but it's the fact of in a bad weather game, how he looked with these smaller hands. And it wasn't pretty. It was a tough watch. And with how many quarterbacks that have entered the NFL over the last like 37 years, there's only been two quarterbacks with smaller hands and only one with the same size hands. Like that is a major concern for me. And it definitely dropped them. I like his play, but with the bigger football in the NFL, faster game, I think that's going to be a little bit more problems with him gripping the football, even well, with, uh, even though he's Kenny two loves. Well, especially playing in Denver too. I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy that's going to play, you know, at least two games potentially in in Denver uh, in December and uh, maybe a game in Kansas city in December, because it seems like the Broncos always play Kansas city in Kansas city in December. Like it it was bad. Even at Pittsburgh. I mean, he had 27 fumbles in 50 career games. Like that's ridiculous guys. That's a, that's a high, high number of fumbles from, from a quarterback who obviously has a small hand. So it's definitely an issue for him, even with two gloves on. Um, and he's also cheeky. I don't. I don't like the cheeky. I'm going to fake slide and then keep on running and and play on the rules the way that he did a couple of weeks ago. That was that, that was a bad look to me, and that's the reason why players get hurt. Honestly, I mean, because that... I, I I get it. You're taking advantage of a rule, but dude, like they have it's such a the shady move. Huh? No doubt. It's it's a shady move, no doubt. But hey, I mean, he found he found a loophole. It's like those. Um, the I think it was the Packers a couple years ago on a kickoff return when the guy laid down with his feet out of bounds and touched the ball. Like, yeah. I have no issues with finding loopholes. But right. that loophole was kind of shady a little bit, kind of cheeky, and it just really put him at risk. Exactly. And so if you're going to do that, if you're going to fake slide and then keep on running, don't get pissed off and, and beg for a flag when someone comes and rips your freaking head off, dude. Like you, you don't get to have the quarterback protection like that. Fake a slide and then keep on running. And then the next guy that comes in when you actually do slide takes your helmet off of your head. Like You don't get to have it both ways on that. And that to me kind of pisses me off a little bit. And I'm sorry for using language, but still, that's just that's not all right with me. Uh, Travis jumping back in here drops some more stars and we appreciate you as always Travis uh, Eric where do you see Britton Covey and do you like him as a Wes Welker Edelman slot type beyond being a return specialist love this kid by the way who 
Britton Covey is a wide receiver for the University of Utah. He has had multiple kickoff return touchdowns this season, uh, multiple punt return touchdowns, including a kickoff return touchdown against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Um, shifty sl slot specialist, um, and I, yes, it is the typical white slot receiver, shifty, bring your lunch pail to work kind of a guy, Wes Welker, Edelman slot type. Um, I, I like him. I really do. Um, I'm not sure where I would draft him yet if I would even do that. Um, Cooper Cup light. Put it that way. Cooper Cup light. So he, he's 25 years old. That's what Scott said. Like, oh, really? I yeah. didn't realize he was that old. Yeah, okay. Like late day three pick at the earliest. I haven't watched him. I only watched Defenders from Utah so far. So no idea. Couldn't tell you anything about him. But being 25 years old. And return specialist, uh, yeah, that's not going to be a very high value for me there. But if you, if you do, like I said, if you do use him as a receiver, slot stuff over the middle of the field, Cooper Cup light, like diet light, it's it's bad. Um, let's see here. See if I can find something else. Scott says worth a flyer in like the sixth round or something like that. Six. It, so Michael Ronquillo jumping in here as he always does, showing some love. Uh, sixth year at Utah football, so um, that should actually add a little bit more here there's another guy i want to ask you about let me pull it up here on the uh on the draft board he is your number 60 overall player he is from my favorite university the university of hashtag go yo pokes uh chad muma and i know that i was a huge fan of logan wilson a couple of years ago i was pining for the broncos to take him and you were a big guy on akeem davis gaither out of appalachian state um, both of those guys actually ended up at the Cincinnati Bengals, which is really fun to watch alongside Jermaine Pratt as well. But uh, Chad Muma, you say here that he's a better version of Logan Wilson, even though he's not quite the athlete. What do you have to say more about Chad Muma? I mean, I think the technique is a little bit more developed from the linebacker position for him. I think he's more instinctive and more aware in coverage. Logan Wilson kind of had this reliance on him being – I mean, Logan Wilson wasn't a fantastic athlete by any means, but he was pretty good. Um, and he just kind of relied on that a little bit more than the technique, than the instincts, mm -hmm. and the awareness. And Chad Muma, I think that he just has those other things a little bit more to be maybe not some elite linebacker, but I think he can be a very good starting linebacker. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like Chad Muma. It's been um, – I haven't focused on Wyoming football this season. The guys that I really know is Xavier Valade. He's actually entered the transfer portal. He's not going to come out this year. Um, they have a really good wide receiver. I forget his name off the top of my head. He's a, he's a sophomore this season. I've sent you videos of him, Eric, and you said get back to me when he's a draft-eligible kid. Um, I can't remember his name for some damn reason. Anyways, uh, Muma is fun. He's he's fluid. He moves around decently well. He doesn't have the top end speed. Um, not really a turn and run kind of a guy. He's more sideline to sideline, kind of linear forward, a great run defender kind of a guy. Um, but it would still be a quality starting linebacker in the NFL level. If you have a guy that can turn and run and play against tight ends and coverage, which is not definitely his game, especially playing in the AFC West. Uh, David Wilder jumping in here. One last one before we get out of here, unless we get some more uh, donations and stars and stuff like that. Uh, if you guys know enough about a quarterback after three years, then you know what you need to know about a head coach after three years. Hashtag fire Fangio. I knew enough about 
Drew Locke last year in week 13 against the Kansas City Chiefs. I wrote very specifically Drew Locke was not the guy, and he would never be the guy. Uh, I didn't think that he actually had the mental processing ability at that time to grow up and look at where we're at now. I agree with you. I do agree with you. However, it's so difficult to find – obviously it's so difficult to find the quarterback position and have a guy that you're able to be, like be willing to trust – but to have the changeover and continuity year after year after year is almost worse for a franchise. Like you can, if you have a, a continuity with a coaching staff, you can be willing to, you know, let some players develop, continue to take swings at the coaching or at the quarterback position. But the more that you change the apple cart, the more that you flip flop the roster over and over and over again and change schemes and have worse decision making. It's it's so hard to overcome that kind of change from top to bottom. Let guys develop a little bit, and especially a guy like a Vic Fangio who has a great defensive mind, brings so much to the table in that aspect. Let him kind of learn a little bit, but also it, enough's enough. After three years, for sure, I it's it's time to move on. He's not getting it. He's just not. Eric. Oh, oh, you actually want me to talk about Drew Locke? I don't want you to talk about Drew Locke. I want you to talk about Vic Fangio. That comparison was there. And, yeah, I mean, you can typical standard is 18 games for a quarterback. You know what you what you what they are after that point. And when there is a difference for it, it's typically that they looked good in their first 18 games and fell apart. It's very rarely the other way around. So you know Drew Locke's bad at this point. You know Vic Fangio is not a head coach and he, that he's not a good option at this point. Maybe he can grow and develop later on down the road. He's got to go back to being a defensive coordinator somewhere else. Denver should but, move on. Denver should find somebody else. And but but yeah, Vince, they should just and they and they should trade away Drew Locke and they should trade they should let Teddy Bridgewater go. They should Pat Shermer should be gone. Tom McMahon should be gone. I mean, there's so many changes that the Broncos need to make. Like, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, Monday that's the day to look for. That's when firing should come. Yeah, and it's going to be full-scale firings, too, from what I understand. Uh, the offensive staff, this is something I really wanted to talk about tonight, uh, coaching staff in general, um, specifically position coaches, because that's what we do on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. We don't just talk about the head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, the the main guys. I really wanted to talk about guys like Zach Azani, um, Mike Munchak, Chris Cooper, um, uh, Curtis Modkins, uh, Reggie Herring, Bill Kolar, guys like that, the, the position coaches that could potentially be retained if this coaching staff does get a complete and total upheaval. Those are the guys I want to talk about because most of those guys I would like to see brought back, especially Azani, Munchak, and Bill Kolar. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be great to see the the change in overhaul, and we'll see the direction that George Payton has this this team in the uh, – at least the direction he wants to go for the future. Uh, Leaf jumping back in here. I've had a gripe with the lack of grit on the Broncos for years now. Do you guys see any talented sandpaper trench players in this draft or linebacker secondary positions that can bring the boom? He's talking about physicality, football playing Jesse's guys that bang around in a phone booth. Eric, bring it down. I mean, how much risk do you want to have for flags? What what they're throwing flags for has really changed that kind of mentality for it. There's still some guys that are there and they're willing to take that risk. Kareem Jackson was one of them. Alexander Johnson, he's gotten away with some. Justin Simmons has some there every now and then. Um, this year, I mean, there's plenty of guys that you can look at for it, but they keep it reined in and they keep it to where they're not going to draw, be at risk to draw flags. But 
we're at a hour 10 minutes so we got to get out of here guys we do we absolutely do i did not realize that that's where we were at uh thank you all for joining us on the dove valley deep divers podcast you guys can find me on twitter at sanderson mhh and for eric at eric trickle uh travis jumping in great show guys appreciate all you all you do have a good night let's go broncos tomorrow absolutely broncos tomorrow 225 against the kansas city chief at empower uh, no, field at Huh? You want the Chiefs to win for better draft position. Well, it's always let's go Broncos. Come on, man. I, I understand where I you're going from. To win for better, I know I know that's hard to do, but at this point, there's nothing left to play for. Go for the draft position. God, Debbie Downer over here. Silly boy. Anyways, uh, guys, make sure you guys are uh, obviously on Twitter, Sanderson MHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also at DVDD underscore pods, where you're going to find what we're talking about every single week um, at Mile High Huddle, where you're going to get breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos, including film breakdowns and opinion articles. Draft content is coming very soon. Eric's already gotten started. I know Nick's chomping at the bit. I am as well. Cannot wait to start throwing some prospect uh, prospect draft grades and reports and stuff like that uh, at mile high hill. You're going to be able to find all of that. Also shout out to Scott Kennedy for running the ones and twos behind the scenes at scout Kennedy um, folks on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle. Click that blue become a supporter button where you're going to get breakdowns from Eric on the, the trickle zone. You'll also get Kelberman's corner and Broncos book club with Chad Jensen. Um, folks, if you're financially able to do so head on over to huddleuppod.com. So we're going to get a hat. It's a new one. I just got the, got it the other day. Um, Yes, the Dove Valley Deep Divers hat. Eric has one as well. You're going to get a, a hat, a face mask, a T-shirt, a hoodie, coffee cup, a onesie for your baby if that suits your fancy, something for the guys, something for the gals, anything you want for the Mile High Huddle merchandise, you're going to find it at huddleuppod.com. And, folks, if you're not willing to do so, if that's not your bag, you're not financially able to do so, we understand. We appreciate that. And we appreciate your support as always. But to help show that support, subscribe especially on YouTube at Mile High Huddle. Uh, subscribe to everywhere you guys get your podcasts, any platform, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe. Like every video you guys see across all social media platforms, and if you love it, share it. Get it out in front of as many Broncos fans as you possibly can because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, before we get out of here, any last words? Yeah, real quick. I mean, the reason why you root for the Chiefs to lose is, or the Chiefs to win and the Broncos to lose is because a couple years ago in the season finale, the Broncos beat the Raiders. That dropped them from 10th overall to 15th overall. Then there was a, I think it was that same year, there was a game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Miami Dolphins that the Cincinnati Bengals took to overtime. They ended up losing, thankfully for them. If they ended up winning that game, they would not have Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow would yep. be with the Washington football team. Yep. That is why you root for sometimes for your team to lose in the final week of the season because it could really impact the future of the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tristan Wirfs, so, Jerry Judy. Yep, exactly. Uh, so uh, the, the Broncos could have gotten Tristan Wirfs at number 10 overall, who looks That's to not be who they would have taken, but – No, they probably would have went Henry Ruggs, which we, we all know they, they, which we all know how that played Henry out. Henry Ruggs but, was uh, a top receiver. Yeah. Um, but it, at least – you know, maybe in Denver, he would have not had the tragic incident that he did have. Hopefully, or at least we can hope and pray that that wouldn't have happened. However, um, yes, it, it does matter dramatically. I mean, like you said, Joe Burrow going number one overall. We have um, the Lions and the uh, uh, the Jaguars battling for number one overall this, this season. It depends on who gets number one overall. It could be Aiden Hutchinson, could be Kayvon Thibodeau, it, and that could change the entire landscape of the draft. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. I understand where you're coming from. 
Also, as always, let's go Broncos. Thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And like I said, as always, go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.